We all have something that we really like to do. It can be sports, reading, or dance. What about you? Hi, and welcome to I Heard You Can Draw, a podcast where we talk about drawing. My name is Michelle Sherman. I'm an artist, and I use my 12 plus years as a certified K through 12 art teacher as a way to look deep into how amazing it is to understand the world around us by drawing it. Thanks for joining us today. that you're here. Today we're going to be talking about drawing portraits. There's something I absolutely love to draw. I spent the last episode talking about how much I love drawing in my sketchbooks and most of my sketchbooks are filled with portrait drawings of the people who were around me at any given time. In high school and middle school I would always draw the kids in my classes and I would even draw the teachers while they were talking. Let's say algebra but it's a whole scene where I have a picture of the teacher talking and notes about what she was saying, and I drew kids in the class listening. So I definitely was paying attention. Just want to put that out there. And a lot of these sketches were done with ballpoint pen or pencil, whatever I was using in class to take notes with. I would also draw my family members if they would let me. When I would ask my sister to sit still so I could draw her, she would get so annoyed with me. (laughs) But, you know, the people in my classes are on the train, I would draw them while they were doing other things and they didn't really notice that I was even drawing them. Sometimes during my time in the magnet art school, we had homework and we had to fill a sketchbook and I would want to draw a person. So I would ask my sister, for example, you know, really didn't like asking people because I knew my sister would, would get so annoyed, like I was really bothering her. So I was always like, you're already sitting there doing homework or watching TV. Why can't you just sit really still so I can draw you? Um... I didn't know why she got so annoyed. Anyway, that kind of made me not want to ask anybody. But I do love drawing portraits. And even as a kid, before I knew really the proper facial proportions, I would always draw people that I knew, either from my memory in a cartoony way or from observation. And I just, I don't know, I had this ability to just capture their likeness. And I think that's one of my strengths as an artist. It was not something that I was taught. I probably have a drawing of almost everyone I've ever met somewhere in one of my sketchbooks. And portraits are hard. They're probably one of the most complex things to draw. But um, I like it. I like capturing facial expressions and different types of, you know, noses and different kinds of eyes and hairstyles. And I just, I really like it. A quote from Alberto Giacometti said, I've been 50,000 times to the Louvre. I've copied everything in drawing trying to understand. And I completely get this quote. Here he's saying that drawing something is to understand it. And he's talking about here, he's talking about understanding, you know, how a particular artist made something because he's copying the artwork. But I I get what he's saying. He's saying that drawing also helps you understand what you're looking at better. You can't just look at something in the world. Um, It's just drawing it gives it a depth that we won't get from just looking at something. Drawing takes it a step further. It connects us to our surroundings. It's the connecting link to us in the world, in my opinion. And that even goes for people too. Like, it's almost like maybe I'm drawing them so I can understand them more. And I think that's correct. I think that you do have to draw to understand because we might think something is the way that it is and it's not. If you ever have a child draw a person, 
they seem to always put the eyes a lot of the times way too high up on the head. Like they think that the eyes are very far up on the head and they're actually in the center of of the skull. So you have to look, It's it, the eyes are literally the halfway point between the chin and the very, very top of the head. And it's funny because people always think that they are higher than they are. And when I teach drawing as to kids, even adults, they're shocked at how seemingly low the eyes are to what they thought. And I was directed to this article. It's called Eye Placement Bias is Remarkably Robust. And the abstract says, when drawing faces, people show a systemic bias of placing the eyes higher up the head than they are placed in reality. Goes on to say, the study investigated the development of this phenomenon while removing the potential confound of drawing ability. So participants in three age groups, three to five-year-olds, 10 to 11-year-olds, and adults, they reconstructed two foam faces, one from observation and one from memory. The high eye placement bias was remarkably robust with mean eye placement in every condition significantly higher than the original faces. The same bias was not shown for mouth placement. Eye placement was highest for the youngest participants and for the memory conditions. The results suggest that an eye placement bias is not caused by the motor skill demands required for drawing and lend evidence to the suggestion that an eye placement bias is caused by perceptual and decision-making processes. So that's interesting because it's how we think about something is how we draw it. But once you're actually taught where the eyes go, then you also see it differently. On Teachers Pay Teachers, I actually made a how to draw tutorial for science teachers because how interesting would it be if someone was taught through drawing because you might think let's say I don't know an animal or a leaf or something in nature is a certain way maybe you've seen clip art or just from your imagination but if you actually draw it your perception changes because you're looking at it you're learning about it and you will understand it better So back to drawing faces, I was getting very curious about the brain and art and why some people can draw faces that look like the person and others struggle, like they can't seem to get a person's likeness. And so I reached out to some people who study neuroaesthetics and creativity. This is actually a whole thing. I never found research about this before because I never looked into it. And I was, I was sent this article called Eye Placement Bias is Remarkably Robust. Um, and I also reached out to a researcher who, who said this, faces are particularly difficult to draw because drawing them accurately depends on getting some very subtle proportions between facial features, eyes, nose, mouth, chin, getting them all correct. A small deviation changes the overall configuration of the features which strongly affects how the face looks. This is because faces are processed holistically rather than part by part. 
we are strongly influenced by what we think we know a face looks like, which is often inaccurate. So like what I just said, for example, most people don't realize that our eyes are located halfway down our face and therefore often draw the forehead too small, is what she says. And she continues on. So I think you need to have a lot of domain-specific experience. Um, in other words, with faces rather than other types of things to become an expert portrait drawer. So practicing is the way to get better at faces, specifically practicing faces. And now that I, you know, read about this and I'm thinking about it, before I, I drew people, I was always looking at people's faces and kind of drawing them like air drawing with my finger. Um, you know, when you point to something and your your finger lines up with the contours of whatever you're drawing. I think I did that just for fun as a kid. And I would always draw people at home, like I would draw in my sketchbook and um, from memory and also from observation. So maybe I was just getting a lot of extra practice as a kid, maybe more so than than kids who did not want to draw faces or didn't practice or didn't have that desire. The summer after 11th grade, I did the pre-college program at the School of Visual Arts in New York City. I was interested in applying there for college. So the summer program was a great way to test it out by taking classes with the faculty that teach the undergraduate program. We also could earn college credit. I wanted to be in New York City, and so I signed up for the illustration track. We took classes in figure painting with oil, cartooning, and we took a drawing class, which I loved so much, where we went around the city with a large drawing pad and fine charcoal and just sat in different parts of the city and drew from life, from observation. We did a lot of drawings inside of St. Patrick's Cathedral with its complicated and beautiful Gothic revival style architecture. We drew the busy New York City streets and we went to Gramercy Park. I even have my class notes written in my sketchbook from that summer. It says, we went to Gramercy Park and learned to zoom in on a focal point in a composition. 17th between Park and Broadway. The next day it says, we focused on creating dynamic focal points. Draw crowds in relation to buildings. I still have these charcoal drawings and looking back on them, they really do capture the busyness of the city that drawing from a photo can't really achieve. In these drawings, the marks are very quick and energetic, and as the teacher of that class used to say, graphic. But my favorite part about going around the city to draw was when we went to Washington Square Park and we drew the people playing chess. So there I was, a little high school art student with my big drawing pad, and I would go up to the people playing and I would say, can I draw you? And pretty much everyone said yes, I don't remember getting any no's. And um, they said yes and continued playing chess. And so I would sit right by them and draw them in action. And I still have a lot of these drawings saved in a portfolio. And I remember it was either other students or maybe it was the professor. I can't remember. But but someone was surprised that I was, quote unquote, brave enough to just go up to the random people and ask to draw them. But... I figured I would ask because it would be kind of weird if I just sat down and started drawing them without asking. I mean, it was pretty obvious. I had a huge sketchbook, but um, I couldn't really hide what I was doing. So, and I wanted to get up close and I loved it. Drawing from life was so much more interesting to me than drawing from a 2D photo. 
Although I will say that I do draw from photos to do commissions now, which is totally fine. I love it. I just also love going out to draw in life because there's so much energy to it. It's just something totally different. And, you know, it's also more challenging because you're transferring 3D forms to a 2D surface. So it's a great challenge to keep your drawing skills pretty sharp. And from a photo, it's already 2D, so it takes away that that challenge for you. And you also, you have the spontaneity. It's also reflected in the marks of your drawing when you're drawing from life. Basically, it forces you to be in the moment and not try to make your drawing perfect. When you're drawing from life and someone's moving or um, you're observing someone, if you notice, they kind of go back and forth doing similar motions. So maybe they, they put their arm out and then bring it back. You just, if you're drawing the arm out, you just wait until they bring it back because you notice they're kind of doing, there's a pattern there. If you, if you watch, just a little tip if you ever go out to do this. But, um, you know, the whole process makes you feel vibrant and alive and like you're part of the action. And your drawing is definitely going to reflect that. And not even just to show the action, but when you look back at your drawing, the drawing's just going to take you back to that time when you were there and it's going to feel like you were there. Vincent van Gogh said, I sometimes think there's nothing so delightful as drawing. And I couldn't agree more. In the Magnet Arts High School that I went to, I don't remember specifically being taught how to draw faces and the proper facial proportions. Um, If we did, I don't remember. We did learn this when I was an undergrad. But during high school and even middle school at this Magnet School, we had live models pose for us in our classrooms. They did have clothes on. This was high school after all. And even when we didn't have a hired model, sometimes the teachers would have the students take turn take turns posing while we all sat around on our drawing horses and draw them. So we definitely had a lot of practice drawing the figure and portraits. And I've also taken some figure drawing classes here and there after high school, but nothing regularly. So if I wanted to draw a portrait, I was It was up to me to go find people to draw. I found on the Art Institute of Chicago's website, um, beautiful sketches by Ellsworth Kelly. And I'm going to read to you what it says on their website. While Ellsworth Kelly is remembered today as one of the most important post-war American abstract painters, sculptors, and printmakers, he was also a dedicated and prolific portraitist who drew likenesses of himself and his friends throughout his long life that sounds like me. (laughs) That's what I did. All right. It also goes on to say, though these drawings are little known and have seldom been exhibited, Kelly produced them in such prodigious numbers that the nearly 100 works in this exhibition represent, at most, a sixth of the total portraits he drew between 1941 and 2011. Kelly's drawings also evidence both his artistic influences and friendships. The impact of artists he encountered in Europe in the 1940s, such as Pablo Picasso and Henri Matisse, are prominent in his drawings. His self-portrait from 1949 particularly reflects the influence of German expressionist Max Beckman, portraits of fellow artists Robert Indiana and Jack Youngerman. It goes on to say that he depicts the New York art world in the early 1950s from Kelly's unique point of view. While we know who many of his sitters are or were, friends, fellow artists, curators, critics, and collectors, as well as, of course, himself, many others, especially from Kelly's early years, remain unknown. 
Fully figurative and deeply personal, these drawings reveal an unfamiliar aspect of Kelly's practice and affirm his observation that all of my work comes out of drawing. So it's so interesting to see that, you know, an artist who he's not known for his figurative drawings, but he did this. This is what he did. Like here is a beautiful pencil sketch of his friend, the artist Robert Indiana from 1956. And you could see where he erased and redrew part of like the chin and just it looks in some areas like very precise, like the hand. And then he kind of loosely put in all of these marks and pressed a lot harder, like more confidently maybe for the shirt. And it's just a beautiful portrait of um, Robert Indiana looks like he's just kind of resting like with his arms behind his head. And there's just something so beautiful about this sketch where you could tell that he was just doing this for fun. Like here's his friend just resting. And while he's resting, he was doing a sketch of him because he liked to sketch. There's nothing more to it. He wasn't trying to make um, a commissioned portrait or make it look perfect. This was him in his life sketching what's around him. So I'm not quite as brave anymore like I was when I was 17 to just walk up to random people and ask to draw them. Like, I don't even know who that person is anymore. I can't believe it was me, but I've kind of lost that nerve, sadly. You know, sometimes it's hard enough just going about my day-to-day activities, let alone have the nerve to walk up to strangers and ask to draw them. But, you know, I did recently want to start drawing people again because I miss it. I really do. And I started drawing my husband a little bit like when he was watching a show or just reading a book. But, you know, I I want a little bit of diversity. So I want to draw other people too. And of course, my own kids don't sit still. So what I started to do, I started to think about who I could draw, how I could contact them and how I can make this happen. And I did. So what I did this this year, I actually started this maybe seven months ago. I decided I wanted to draw the interesting artists and entrepreneurs in my area here in South Florida. So I was getting curious to see what people were working on. And I decided, wouldn't it be cool if I asked different entrepreneurs and artists to draw them in their studios and their workspaces? So I started reaching out to some local entrepreneurs through email and social media And honestly, to my surprise, I didn't know if anyone, I was hoping people would want to agree to it, but I didn't know if they would. Um, Most people agreed to pose for me. And there were some people who kindly declined and some never answered at all. But for those who agreed, I would meet the person in their studio and they posed for about an hour while I drew them on large watercolor paper. Um, I used a size 18 by 24 And while they were in front of me, I took reference photos. So I was trying to, I guess, get the best of both worlds. I didn't want to take up too much time because people are busy, of course. But I also wanted to do a little bit of it from life because, you know, even though I'm going to work into it later, I still think that vibrancy and just even setting up the pose myself and like being in their space and just deciding where to sit instead of them sending me a photo, I think it kept, it kept that vibrancy in the artwork. I would draw them and while they were in front of me in that pose, I would take a photo that I would later use uh, for the watercolor. 
and I would do that back at my studio. And I ended up so far making 10 portraits of local local entrepreneurs. I did a portrait of a fashion designer in her studio, of a jewelry designer who opened a studio for classes. Um, I did a picture of a mom who created a hyper-local blog to help connect moms in our area, a yoga instructor, a community builder, a ceramicist, and um, all of them in their workspaces. I had so much fun. So my husband was like, why are you doing this? <laughs> because I was like making appointments and taking the time to do this like it was a job. And it was it was just for fun. But I have to say that I'm so glad I did this because I met so many interesting people. And it really connected me with with them. Like I was able to draw their portrait. And for, you know, For the people who agreed, they didn't mind that I was sitting there. It wasn't like, you know, I don't think I was bothering them. Like my sister said I was bothering her, but, (laughs) and if they didn't want to, they kindly declined. So that's, that's fine. And it was really fun. So that's a project I'm still working on. And it's a way for me to feel like I did back in New York City during that illustration class. Kimmel Nicolaitis was an American artist, educator, and author. He was best known for his book called The Natural Way to Draw, uh, published in 1941. And he has a quote that says, learning to draw is really a matter of learning to see, to see correctly. And that means a good deal more than merely looking with the eye. So what about you? Do you love drawing portraits as much as I do? Do you draw from life or do you make up faces from your imagination? In 1992, The cartoonist William Stieg said, I often ask myself, what would be an ideal life? I think an ideal life would be just drawing. I completely agree. So today I was talking about drawing people from your everyday life. I used to draw the kids in my classes and people on the train, my family, and myself. And we looked at the artist Ellsworth Kelly, who was not known for drawing portraits, but he he also drew the people that were around him in his everyday life. And I also talked about how I have this renewed determination to draw the people around me. But instead of randomly going up to strangers, I am making appointments and finding people to draw. The artist David Hockney said, drawing makes you see things clearer and clearer and clearer still until your eyes ache. If you want to check out the drawings that I was talking about of the entrepreneurs, you can go to my website at michellesshermanart.com, Michelle with two L's. I'm going to send you off with a song called A Beautiful Place to Start. Have a great rest of your day. Take care. You might see a sweet purple flower or a magical rainbow sky. Then a shiny balloon or a bright yellow moon catches your eye. There are so many colorful places to be, so many curious faces to see, and wouldn't it be nice to draw every wonderful thing you saw? You might see a shimmery goldfish 
goat or a pony whose coat is blacker than coal. But how do you draw them and where to begin? The page is so empty, your pencil's so thin. Well, you know there's a way to draw every wonderful thing you saw. Oh!